Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, LuckyRacket.com. That's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com. And use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's LuckyRacket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, September 15th. There is no doubt we're all experiencing that post-Grand Slam hangover this week. It was such an exciting 2021 U.S. Open, a Grand Slam that saw history being pursued. Now, unfortunately, Novak Djokovic not able to complete his quest for the calendar slam for title number 21 at the majors of his career, but... We still did see some history made. Two first-time champions in Emirata Kanu and Daniil Medvedev. We recapped both the men's and women's singles competitions these past two days on the Mini Break Podcast. It was so fun to talk all things women's singles with David Kane, editorial producer for Tennis.com. Also, always a pleasure to chat men's singles with my main man, Gil Gross, who joined us yesterday on the show. Of course, to those post-Grand Slam hangover, What does the ATP, ITF, and WTA tours have to say? They say turn down for what? As the tennis world continues in full this week, we've got two WTA 250 events, five ATP challengers, a fascinating ITF futures event happening in Champaign this week. All of that leads to another fantastic week of tennis for us to follow here on the show. And what I want to do on today's podcast, set the scene for all of you. I know it's a little late in the week to be doing that, but of course we still have four more fantastic days of tennis in front of us. I want to talk about the most notable performances, the storylines I will be monitoring over the course of the next four days. I also want to update all of you 
on where the ELO ratings sit, where the top 10, 15, 20, 25 clubs are in Tennis Abstract Stats Leaderboard, excuse me, on Tennis Abstract Stats Leaderboard following the 2021 U.S. Open. That is our agenda for today's podcast. Of course, before I get into any of that, I do want to quickly remind all of you that the reason these podcasts are made possible day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you, because of the support we get from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point. You guys know the deal. Any equipment needs, shoes, socks, clothes, I mean, we're talking rackets, obviously, strings, grips, you name it, they've got it. They've got them at the best prices as well. You go to their website, tennis-point.com right now, use our promo code CR15, you'll get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, it's tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling tennis-point.com we are so grateful for their continued support the least we can do ask you to support them as well tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 one other quick note We had the chance to travel down to the University of Tennessee last weekend for one of the first events of the college tennis season. The Knoxville Showdown had the chance to speak with players, coaches, and of course got the chance to observe some fantastic tennis between four top 25 teams in Tennessee, Pepperdine, Columbia, and Kentucky. If you missed any of that action, you can watch it all on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. You can also hear my recap of the event on the Great Shout podcast feed. You can hear our conversations with coaches and players on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. And I know I've mentioned this in a couple of places, but just a little tease for all of you listeners, our college tennis preview content, it's going to start in about a month. It's crazy to think we're already at that point of the season, the 10-week countdown to the college tennis year. But folks, we've arrived. And so be on the lookout for that time to start getting excited. But with that in mind, again, the theme of today's podcast, turn down for what? The tennis rock and rolls into another week on tour. Let's start today's show by talking about the WTA action we have happening. And there are two WTA 250 events, one of them happening in Portoroz, uh, Slovenia, the other happening this week in Luxembourg. Let's start with the action in Portoroz. Again, given it's a post-Grand Slam week, given we are in that home stretch of the 2021 season. Now, it is worth mentioning the WTA Tour announced this week there will be a year-end finals. And why do I bring that up? Let's just go quickly, before I get into any of the results, to where the race standings are right now to the year-end finals in Guadalajara. And I know some players have already, or coaches of players have stated their perhaps lack of interest in competing in Guadalajara for this event, just given where they're at in the calendar, given how much tennis, what the circumstances have been over the past 15 months, etc., etc. But you look at the race right now. Ashley Barty, she's pretty much a lock. 6,400 points. She's, you know, about 2,000 ahead of second place Sabalenka. Most importantly, she's about 4,000 ahead of eighth place Garbine Muguruza. If Ashley Barty wants to play, she's a lock. I would also say Arena Sabalenka at 4,600 points. Again, that's about twenty. Uh, that's about 2,000 more than Muguruza. Krejcikova, about 1,800 more than Muguruza. Yes, Indian Wells is still on the calendar, but I would say those two players probably locks as well. You look for Karolina Pliskova. She's at about 4,000 points. That's about 1,600 ahead right now. Or excuse me, 1,400, 1,500-ish ahead 
yeah, she's probably good too. But you look at those last four spots, and obviously eight players qualify for the year-end finals. Iga Sviantek's in fifth place right now. She's got 2,921 uh, points, so 29-21. Currently, the player in 18th place in the race to the uh, finals in Guadalajara, who is uh, Paula Bedosa, excuse me. She's got 2,057 points. So there are less than 1,000 points separating 5th and 18th place. You look at the corresponding on the men's side. Right now, Andre Rublev, he's in 5th place. He's at 4,030 points. You look at 18th place, uh, the comparison, Riley Opelka, 1,460 points. There's a 3,000-point gap between Rublev and Opelka. There's an 1,000-point gap between the 5th and the 18th place person on the women's side. Now, again, you look at the names in the mix. Sviantek, close to 3,000. She's comfortable. Sakari, 2,800. She's looking good. Osaka, high 27, close to 2,800. Fine, but, you know, again, it, let's say Osaka even doesn't play. I mean, Muguruza's at 2,600. There's fewer than, you know, 200 points separating her and Onjabur, who's in, or fewer than 300 between her and Onjabur, who's in ninth place. And, of course, Indian Wells is still coming up. That's a 1,000-level event. And so, a quarterfinal run there, semifinal run there. If someone gets upset early in the mix, there are placements and movement uh, points to be had and places to be gained. I mean, I would argue all of these players who have above 2,000 points right now are still in the mix. Now, Bedosa's a little bit on the further end, ditto with Kasakina, but again, Muguruza, 26.71, she's in eighth place. Kerber's at 21.71, she's in 16th place. 500 points separating the 18th, uh, the eighth and the 16th player. If I'm telling you one of Jabour, Pavlichenkova, Goff, Mertens, Svitolina, Radakanu, Pagula, or Kerber make a run at Indian Wells. I know that was a lot of names there, but I don't think that would surprise any of us. Svitolina won Chicago, was on a run, you know, quarterfinals, 5-all, has the volley against Fernandez in that third set tiebreaker. She wins that match. She's into the semifinal now and has all the confidence in the world heading into that Sabalenka match. Who knows what happens? That's one of those inflection point moments. The point I'm trying to say is Svitolina started to play well of late, and you know, obviously, for Coco Golf was a little disappointing, but she's uh, at the U.S. Open, the loss to Sloan, but she's been one of, if not the most consistent, no, not the most, because you have Krejcikova, but one of the most consistent players on tour this season. And so, it's a wide open race. All of these matches matter. All of these points matter. And that's what gets us to Porto Or I guess we should start with that theme then in Luxembourg. Because you look at the players playing Luxembourg here this week. Uh, it's a pretty loaded draw across the board. And you just look uh, right now uh, for where the, uh, you look at the players just entered into this event. Particularly given the runs that they had uh, at the U.S. Open. You just look at this draw. The fact that you've got Belinda Bencic who's coming off of that quarterfinal run uh, at the U.S. Open. She's the number one seed. She's playing this event here in Luxembourg. You look uh, at the number two seed here in this event, another player with, who's in the race, and a player who, of course, as always, seems to play every event whenever possible. That's second seed, Elisa Mertens, who's currently ranked 16th. You look for Mertens. She's 12th. 
in the race to the year in finals. She's someone 23-25. She's currently a little over 300 points behind Muguruza. She gets the 250 points from the WTA 250. She wins a title this week. Now she's, you know, you do one round better than Muguruza at Indian Wells. You do one round better than some of these peers you're competing against. It's on your racket. You're the one they're chasing at Indian Wells from a result standpoint. I mean, it's a bold move. For Benchich, she's 19th. She's under that 2,000-point threshold, though not by much. Again, she gets the 250 points. She's very much back in the mix, and she's got a lot of points to defend from a ranking standpoint at Indian Wells this year. Uh, it's an interesting, you know, top two seeds, and then you get some names that struggled a little bit at the U.S. Open looking to refine their footing. Of course, Yelena Ostapenko was exceptional during the grass court season, but after a disappointing U.S. Open, she's the number three seed back in action here this week. You've got the fourth seed, Ekaterina Alexandrova, fifth seed, Marketa Vandrusova, sixth seed, Shui Zhang, seventh seed, Ludmilla Samsonova, eighth is Cornet, but your top six seeds, all top 50 players entering the week. Now, only the top two seeds got buys in this draw in, uh, excuse me, Luxembourg here this week, and so uh, we have seen some matches played already. We have seen a couple of seeds eliminated here in the round of 16. Uh, all of your seeds made it through their first round matches. So Ostapenko, again, Alexandrova, Vandrusova, Sam- uh, Samsonova, uh, and Shui Zhang all make it through the first round. But we did see some upsets in round number two. Let's start with an upset perhaps even more on paper than in terms of recent form. Clara Tawson continues her standout breakout. 2021 season and it hasn't been you know the grand slam results that we saw from a Raducanu that we saw from a Fernandez even from a Coco Goff who in case you've forgotten made a quarterfinal this year at the French Open. Tossin's not one of the teenagers who made that sort of run at the most notable event but you know she's won two WTA titles this season and you look for Clara Tossin now who with this result here the win over Alexandrova in the round of 16. She earns a 6-4-3-6-7-6 decision over Alexandrova. She continues to prove her front foot tennis, her power tennis, can go shot for shot with just about anyone in the women's game outside of perhaps that top echelon of players right now. And you look for Clara Tawson in this match. She made 60% of her first serves, went 68% of those points, 64% of her second serve points, fights off four of the six break points she faced. Now, she was two of 12 on break points. Excuse me, that was the phone out of the pocket. Hey, great shot. But she did create 12 break points for her chances. It felt like she was the one uh, who had just a little bit more uh, aggression, you know, on the had a, a few more chances on that return of serve. Now, that third said there were not many chances for either player. Tossin goes uh, one for one on her break point chances. And, you know, the fact that she was able to get that break, Alexandrova, one of two, it's speaks to the first strike tennis these two were playing and it also speaks to the fact Clara Tawson is a bit front foot centric right now when she can play power tennis when she can be the one dictating she's going to look a lot better uh, than she will in the outer thirds of the court because her movement's not great right now now when she gets contact and makes contact with the ball in the outer thirds she can do special things because of her strength because of her contact point but the movement right now for Tawson is what holds her back at the same time you know again she's able to match shot for shot power tennis that serve as a weapon that backhand down the line is freaking beautiful it's an extreme forehand grip 
but it's a heavy forehand shot, and you're never quite sure where it's going. And so, again, she matched Alexandrova's power in this match, and you look for Clara Tossin now with this result. Tossin up to a new career high, the 18-year-old, 63rd in the WTA rankings by making the quarterfinals this week. Let me say that again. 63rd at 18 years old. Yes, I know Raducanu at 18 years old just won a title, but Clara at a Grand Slam, but, you know, or a major, excuse me, but Clara Tossin's won two WTA titles this season. She's competed primarily at the WTA level, and you look for Clara Clara Tossin, who's now 45th, by the way, in overall ELO rating. You look for her. She's 38th here this season in 2021. Clara Tossin's results this season, she's 43-16 and 16 over her last 52, 34-13 and 13 here this year. She's won 72% of her matches. You look amongst that 34 wins. It's not just like she's been beaten up on players at the 25 or 100K level, though she has had success at those levels. But, you know, 7-7. Seven and seven against top 100 opponents and you know two and three against the top 50 now both of those wins happen to be against Alexandrova but her three losses Barty Krejcikova at the U.S. Open and Wimbledon respectively and then Tavika at Roland Garros those are brutal draws at Grand Slam. She drew Krejcikova first round Wimbledon because of her ranking gets Barty and Vika second round respectively of the U.S. Open and Roland Garros. But again, 7-7 seven and seven versus the top 100, 26-6 against opponents ranked outside the top 100. Where do you think? Clara Tossin should be in the rankings. And for the 18-year-old, you look at just what she's accomplished here uh, this season in general at the WTA level specifically uh, here this season. It's the fact that, you know, she's been so consistent week in, week out. It's a third quarter final for her now at the WTA level this year. And you look for her overall. It's her third quarter final, I believe. And I want to say this is her 10th event. And, you know, three or four of the, uh, I should say three of those 10 events have been Grand Slams where I just listed the losses for her. Barty, Krejcikova, and then in Roland Garros, it was Vika. Now, she didn't play the Australian Open main draw, but with this ranking now, she's going to get into main draws. And, you know, with this ranking now, gone will be the 120, uh, 100K events. Gone will be the 75K events. She's going to get to play a full WTA schedule next season. Age restrictions no longer applying. Clara Tossin has positioned herself beautifully for the start of her pro career. Again, another fantastic win for her today. 6-4-3-6-7-6. Over Ekaterina Alexandrova, you look for toss, and now she'll match up uh, with the winner of Hritminen and Marie Buzkova. Excuse me, Buzkova knocking out Shui Zhang today in the round of 32 match. That match just a day behind some of the others. So Zhang is the only seed, <laughs> excuse me, eliminated in her first round match. Uh, obviously, that was a much-needed win for Marie Bushkova, who's uh, fallen out or is in jeopardy of falling out of the top 100. Now, with this win, she's back up to number 91 here in the, uh, by making the round of 16. You look for Marie Bushkova. It's just been a brutal year of draws for her. You look up and down the board. I don't think she's played particularly poorly, and you look for her results-wise here over her last 52 weeks, 16-20 and 20 overall, 15-18 and 18 here this year. The big run for her was to the finals of that Phillips Island Trophy in Australia. You look for her since that time. There's a point during the clay court and grass court season where she lost five consecutive matches. And, you know, then you look from the grass to the start of the hard court season. Again, five consecutive losses for her. Uh, she lost, Some of those losses, 
though. You know, Sakari, Osaka, you can understand those. Even a loss to Anaconia, three sets in San Jose. She's played so many three-set matches. You look across the board, some of these losses, oh, six and six to Rebecca Peterson, three sets to Shui Zhang, three sets to Konya, three sets to Storm Sanders, three sets to Katarina Stanyakova, three sets to Alia Tamjanovic, three sets to Daria Kasakina, three sets to Ashley Barty at the start of the season. I mean, Marie Buskova has been so close because, again, she does just physically makes those matches such track meets, and that's what she did against Shui Zhang. And, you know, again, she absorbs, redirects your pace. And the problem for her, the serve is so attackable. And so she has to routine, you know, there's no skipping return games for her. She's got to get those breaks because her opponents are going to be in a lot of her service games. But, you know, again, athletically, there's a lot to like about Marie Buzkova and just the way she competes, the floor of her performances match in, match out. She's a player who belongs in the top 100. And so, again, this was a good victory for her over Zhang, and now she'll match up with Hreet Minin in round number two. Um, though That is, again, uh, some of your matchups thus far. You look at the seeds who have had success. Ludmilla Samsonova, 6-6 six and six win in her, her round of 16 uh, match against Ocean Doden. You look for Samsonova now. Uh, I believe she is, yes, on the top portion of the draw, so she will face the winner of the Belinda Bencic match. Bencic scheduled to get started tomorrow. You look at some of the other ma- uh, results on day five. Alize Cornet, your eight seed, straight set winner into the quarterfinals over Manila, 6-3, 6-3. Von Drusova, a 2-4 and four win over Fett, and you look for Von Drusova. So interesting because I think she is someone we consider amongst you know, that group of the young players who have a bunch of talent that she did make a Grand Slam final. And, you know, we know what Marketa Vandrusova is capable of when she's healthy and playing her best tennis. You look for Vandrusova. She's 43rd right now in the WTA rankings. Again, she's someone who wants to be playing and seated at these 1,000-level events in Indian Wells. Doesn't want to have to worry about qualifying. And so a quarterfinal here certainly helps keep you in the top 50, but it does mean some brutal draws. You just don't want to be unseated at these Grand slams because again it's even if you are seated you're more likely than not going to draw a tough first round but if you're not seated uh you're damn near screwed at given the parity we see right now and the depth in the women's game so again that's where things stand we're waiting to see you know mertens benchich begin play tomorrow but should be a really fun week of action in Luxembourg, of course, that's WTA 250 number one, WTA 250 number two, happening in Porto Rose. And you look, it's a fun uh, group of matches across the board. We've already seen some exciting upsets. Kai Yuvan knocking out top seed Petra Martic in the first round. You look for Kai Yuvan. It's been a successful season. For the 20-year-old, she's been damn good on hard courts as well. You look uh, for Yuvan now over the course of the year. She's back now towards that top 100. You look for Yuvan, number 101 right now in the live rankings. One more win gets her back up to number 100. You look for Yuvan uh, over the course of the last 52 weeks. She's been really freaking good on hard courts and you know again uh for Kaya Yuvan it's not you know when you're number 101 at 20 years old that's outstanding but it gets overshadowed with some of the other jumps we've seen made from players this season and you look for Kaya Yuvan look she lost six consecutive matches on clay and heart on grass courts and it's clear finding her game translating her power tennis her movement to the other surfaces still require requires work but you look for her now 13 and 8 over her last 52 on hard courts 
leaderboard. She qualifies for the Australian Open, makes third round, wins a match at in New York this year before getting knocked out in a respectable four and two fashion by an inform Danielle Collins. I mean, again, the players who have beaten her on hard courts this season: Krejcikova, Sviantek, Brady, Goff, Cerebes Tormo, Kasikina, Collins. And then you have Rusa, and you have, uh, I believe there was one other who I left out. Ru- oh, and then you have Rusa. That's it. Like, all those first eight names are all top 20 players right now on hard courts. That's how good you've had to be in, to beat Kaya Yuvan. Otherwise, she's going to beat you on these hard courts. And again, I just, her movement, the power out of the corners off of both wings, the decisiveness with which she plays, her willingness to move forward. There's a lot to like about Kaya Yuvan's game. And, you know, she's got a very winnable match now. The draw opens up for her against Alex Krunik. And you look for her in her career in tour level matches. Kaya Yuvan, uh, in terms of making the quarterfinal round, it's never happened. And she's got her best opportunity to get that first quarter quarterfinal here as she again is going to take on I believe on day number four she's yeah she's got Krunich here uh tomorrow you look elsewhere in the draw your number two seed Yulia Putin Seva does earn a victory today 6-3-6-1 over Katie Bolter your number three seed Allie Risk much needed win for her 3-6-6-3-6-3 over Kuzmova you start to look otherwhere a couple of upsets on the day Kiki Blandenovich for her to win 6-love 6-4 over Anaconya Probably not something we expected. Certainly didn't expect the Bronzetti three-set victory over Bernarda Pera, even if you expected that match. Two go three sets. You look at some of the other upsets we've seen thus far in the tourney. Pedersen was also knocked out the seventh seed by Bronzetti. In round number one, we saw uh, Diana Yastremska bow out 7-6-4-1 retirement to Jasmine Paolini. Uh, Tamara Zadanzik, a 1-1 one one win in her first round match. Angelina Kalnina Kalnina continuing her exceptional form. She's up to a new career high ranking, by the way. Uh, right above Clara Tossin, number 62 in the live rankings is the 24-year-old after reaching the round of 16, of course, unfortunately for Kalnina today. Uh, I believe she lost her round of 16 match uh, it, it today in Slovenia, but I, I have to look into that. I, does she play tomorrow? Or is she a tomorrow round of 16 match? Kalnina tomorrow. Oh, no. Excuse me. Uh, Kalnina did not play. Did she play today? And I'm just missing the result. I might just be missing the result. The point being, Angelina Kalnina uh, certainly having one of those underrated breakthrough seasons. And, you know, again, looking forward at the draw in Porto Rose. It should be a really fun event. You still have top 50 players in Putin Seva, in, uh, I think, uh, in Ali Risk. You've got Serana Kirstea alive tomorrow. Is it Danzig alive as well? And I'm telling you, just keep your eyes on what could be a very big week, a much needed week for Kaya Yuvan as she looks to gain some confidence heading into what I think could be a potential breakthrough 2022 season. She's going to be one of those players we highlight when we look at things in December, do that sorts of preview content. But again, those are your two WTA events on the week. Should both be fun. According to Tennis Abstract, you look at the projections right now. Uh, they have uh, right now uh, Yulia Putinseva, a 36.2% favorite to cap the title in Potoros. They give Ali Risk a 17% chance. Kiki Mladenovic, 10.2% chance. Then they go Martin Sova and Kirstea, 9.5 before getting to the uh, to the Zidanzik-Kaya Yuvan tier. So, again, interesting. 
that the numbers say Putin save, I suppose not surprising given her experience advantage. You look at the numbers in uh, Luxembourg this week. Uh, Elisa Mertens, 23.3% favorite to Belinda Benchich's 21.3. They then go Tossin. They are high on Tossin, much like I am. Tossin, 14.8. You then get Von Drusova, 10.5. Ostapenko, 10.2. Again, the analytics think Clara Tawson has a better chance of winning than Marketa Vondrusova or Yelena Ostapenko or Ludmilla Samsonova speaks to how well the 18-year-old has played this season, speaks to why you should be watching the WTA Tour this week. But that's your WTA action. Let's rapid fire through the ATP challengers. And why do we have to rapid fire through them? Because there are five of them this week. Of course, I will be locked in to all the action happening at the Kerry Challenger. Whenever there's a North American Challenger, it feels like getting back to my roots. When I first thought I was a low-key, underground, tennis-slappy, hardcore fan and was like, oh, I bet I'm part of that group that no one else is doing this, right? I'm the tennis hipsters. And, you know, the Kerry Challengers was what I was watching, 13, 14, 15 years old. It is always nice to get back on livestream.com slash ATP, even if it's not Mike Cation's voice regaling us with his beautiful tones. But... Look, I'll just start quickly with the Eubank-Sandgren incident. First or second game of the match, Sandgren uh, going back to the fence. A ball kid uh, bounces or throws a ball to him, and it hits him in the groin. And I'm not defending Tennis Sandgren, who I believe then hits a ball at the— Something happened where Tennis Sandgren either struck the fence or struck a ball at the fence or something, and then it knocked over a line judge. And look, Sandgren knew immediately he was in the wrong, and he immediately apologized, and his supervisor was brought out on court. And if, you know, a line judge, in an incident like that, it's a withdrawal. And Sandgren knew it, and he was crushed by it, and you could just tell he was mortified by the entire incident. He handled it all with about as much class as one can. And I'm not defending the action. I will say this. If you get hit in the groin, you are always going to react. I once took an overhead up and under when I was at the net. I will never, I almost swore, I will never forgive Abhishek Prabhu when I was a freshman in high school. And this is maybe why my voice is as high as it is. Maybe why I didn't get that extra octave. But, you know, I, he hit the worst lob I've ever seen. Literally, I can rank it. And it was the worst. And they were two up, and I was at the service line. And maybe that's my fault because you should always be uh, in the same position as your partner. There's got to be a rope between the two of you. But he didn't give me a signal that he hit the lob, nothing. And the guy hit the overhead and I you know, was trying to defend myself and it went up and under and hit me in the nuts. And I was down. And I know it wasn't that extreme. But like you are going to react violently. I Even when like a ball nudges, you're just like, oh. You're just you, – there's you're the sinking pit. I'm not going to describe what it feels like to get hit in the nuts. But it's not fun. And you are going to react. You're just – you're going to react. Now, of course, for Sandgren, it, you're crushed because this is just stupid. And that Sandgren-Eubanks match should have been really, really fun. And it's stupid that we have to start the talk of the carry challenger with this. And I guess I'm making a choice by discussing it. But, again, there were no winners in that scenario. That said, I thought Sandgren handled it about as classy as possible. Ditto with Eubanks. Just the whole scenario sucked. But you know what hasn't sucked? the quality of tennis and you look up and down the board a lot of familiar faces a lot of names we love here at Crack Rackets the Kovacevic Kudla matchup happening today on Wednesday as I'm recording this Kova had taken the first set 7-6 unclear where the match has gone since then but I mean 
you get that sort of matchup. The winner, I think, gets the winner of Michael Moe, and I believe Makun Sasakumar. You've got Mitchell Kruger into a quarterfinal. Straight set wins for him over Kubler and Kelly. He's now got a third consecutive Australian in Max Purcell. You look at some of the college guys that have had success, former college guys, former Illinois All-American Alex Vukic, continuing his standout form, that serve, that forehand, his strength now in fitness and movement. It just continues to improve. I'm not saying a Rindernesh-esque jump. I am saying look for a jump from Vukic over these next few months. He's into the quarterfinals. He's going to face the winner of the Sfida man, Zach Sfida, two-time Kalamazoo champion. Almost, you know, really fun second-round match against Yannick Sinner at the U.S. Open. He knocked off Stefan Kozlov after, you know, being down. Kozlov served for the first set 5-4. Sfida able to take the first set, gets a retirement from Kozlov to love in the second. He now faces Rinki Hichikata, the I suppose rising junior technically at UNC, although I'm going to be honest, the more, you know, the more people you talk to last year, who's the guy who could have the most pro success that we don't talk about enough in college tennis without hesitation. The name was always Rinki Hijikata. He's won matches in Grand Slam qualities before he qualifies and gets a win. Good win over former Michigan standout Jason Jung, uh, four and four. That's going to be a fun physical match against Svide. And again, Svide doesn't have the biggest weapons to hurt Rinky with, but he's going to ask every question of Rinky. And if Rinky wins that match comfortably, now you do start wondering, oh no, is he going to turn pro? Because you look for Rinki Hichikata right now in the rankings, and he's coming off of a week where I believe he just won a futures title for uh, Rinki Hichikata right now. He is currently, let's see, I believe all the way up to number 442, the 20-year-old in the rankings. That's a new career high for him. One more win this week gets him all the way up to number 429. Um, look, if he can crack the top 400, I would say if through this fall, because obviously he's going to be taking the fall off, if he can get top 300, I mean, now you got to start talking. Because if you're top 300, that is a good place to be. Now you have pro opportunities. Now you can go play challengers. Now you're in the mix for Grand Slam quality. Short of that, we'll see if he goes back and does another six months. But obviously, his game looking more and more prepared for the pro tour. Of course, tomorrow, some fun matchups. Machizuki, the former uh, junior Wimbledon champ, taking on Bjorn Fratangelo. You've got uh, Ryan Penniston taking on Chris Eubanks as well. So it should be a really, really good day of action in Kerry. But of course, that's not the only place where former college standouts are having success. Yannick Hanifman, the former NCAA champion, All-American while at USC, wins my match of the day on Wednesday. 7-6 over Marco Cecinato. You look for Hanifman, 26-14. and that's a 65% win percentage since the uh, tour restarted in 2020 on clay. He's made an ATP final, won a challenger title on clay. I believe he's got, what is it? Is it a 13 and 8 record or something like that against top 100 opponents? He's doing it and he's doing it against the best opponents today. It was that 7 6 win over Chechenato? His kick serve into that one handed backhand, the serve and volley, the aggression as a returner. That's what's so fun about Hanifman on clay is it's so different. It's not the grinding. It's not the physicality. He, It's the creativity, the spins, the angles, the drop shots, the net play. Yannick Hanifman is a tennis player's tennis player and just – He's got all the shots in the arsenal. Fantastic story as well. If you've never heard it, go listen to some of the interviews he's done with us on our Cracked Interviews podcast over the years. 
I'm a big Yannick Hoffman fan. Crazy to think to me that he's 29 years old already, but hovering around that 125, you know, top 125, top 100 range. I think he's a top 100 talent. I would love to see him make that top 100 push, get himself into all of the main draws of the slams entering that 2022 season. But he's a college guy having success. Alex Rybakov tomorrow, big opportunities. He's going to take on Nikola Kuhn, who upset number one seed Albert Ramos Vanolas in three sets. And by the way, because there are no ATP 250, this week. A lot of good names in the challengers. Diego Montiero, number six seed, a guy we've seen have a ton of success on the clay courts uh, at the ATP level. He's your six seed this week in Sessian, uh, Poland, the event I'm talking about. By the way, you just look at the matchup. Ty Kwiatkowski, our guy, taking on Jesper Dejong. Zidane Kolar taking on Jake Clark tomorrow. You've got Camille Metrizic against uh, Roberto Carbeas-Benia. Holger Rune continuing to make his return. He's taken on Pablo Andujar, the number two seed. That's a really, really fun set of challenger matches over in Poland, and I believe our Damian Kuss will be live on site, so be on the lookout for more on that event throughout the course of the week. Of course, over in Rennes this week, we have the indoor uh, challenger in France, Andy Murray, knocked out by former top junior in the world. Not the top, but one of the top juniors in the world in Roman Sicilian. If you, a Roman Sicilian, if that's a name that you recognize, you're a hipster like me. So welcome back, folks. But uh, look, he's a guy who's dealt with so many injuries. The talent's always been there. And for him, two good wins. He's now going to take on Richard Gasquet, who's gotten two good wins in this event as well. I thought Ernesto Escobedo looked particularly good today in a win over Lestien. He's got Gabilisvili next. You've got Thomas Matschak in uh, the draw here. He's taking on Mats Morang. Kasper Zouk back in action, taking on a guy who's been so good at the challenger level this season, Benjamin Bonzi. I think six, five or six challenger titles for him uh, over the course of this year. You've got Liam Brody, Gregoire Brere, uh, you know, Luca Pui, Antoine Huang. Arthur Rindernash escapes. Big serving Tobias Kamka. Three-set win for him today. Tristan Lamassine uh, will be his next opponent. But again, Rindernash, A&M. You know, you've got Casper Zouk in action. Uh, obviously, some Gasquet civilian action over in France. And again, it's just a high-quality field. You look at the challenger over in Ecuador. This might be the, I suppose, I don't want to say lowest quality because it's still pretty solid. And I mean, it was a really fun first-round match between Patrick Gibson and Diego Tarante, if you want to geek out with me. But in terms of most I would say, not A-list, but the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not the hipsters, but mainstream. There is most mainstream names. This one's perhaps the most lacking. But, you know, guys who have had a ton of success on the Challenger Tour over the past year. Diego Torante, one of the many talented young Argentinians. Juan Pablo Vicovic, another one of them. You look for Sundo Mina still in action. And then some relatively unknowns. Alex Gautier, the talented young Frenchman. Matteo uh, Parachot, another, uh, uh, Parchicot, excuse me, Parachot. Pershikad, another uh, talented young Frenchman. You've got Olivieri uh, in that bottom half of the draw as well. It's just interesting. It's an interesting, interesting draw over in Ecuador. And then, of course, last but certainly not least in Istanbul, Turkey. Shout out to Borna Gojo. New career high for him, number 211, as he knocks off Karlovsky to make just his second challenger quarterfinal of the year. It's been a tricky season for Gojo. He's traveled a bunch of different places, had played a bunch of different qualifying, just given how difficult it is to get into challengers this season. I think, you know, when you are a player ranked 260 to 400, you were the player who perhaps was most hurt by the rankings protections during these past few months. And, you know, again, for Gojo, 
Uh, it's been tough because he's had to play qualifying just to get into challengers, and so so many matches under his belt this season, and yet only the second quarter final to his name, and still up to a new career high. Now he's got some points to defend over the next couple of weeks, but good wins for him over Galan, over Karlovsky. He's got Jeffrey Blunt, uh, Blancano uh, coming up next. You look at this draw, Radu Elbot, your number two seed, James Duckworth, your number one seed. Yeah, those two are definitely your two favorites entering, uh, I suppose, the the final four days of the event. But definitely some opportunities for Gojo here. That match against Blanc, uh, Blancano, certainly a winnable match. But again, that's your action. Those are your five ATP challengers. Quickly on the Champagne Futures event we've got going on because, to me— this might be the most fun event of the week, and you just look at some of the names, some of the results we've seen over in Champaign thus far. I mean, if you're a college tennis fan, this is the event you should be monitoring most closely, and you just look at the results we saw on the field today. Again, really, really good group of results, and of course, my phone dies on me right when I need it for results, but I'm going to go off the top of my head here. I mean, you look at the number one seed, Dusty Boyer. He's knocked off by UCLA rising junior, or maybe sophomore technically, Drew Baird. Look, Baird's going to be asked to step up into the number one singles position. And this is the qualifying excuse. No, this is the main draw. So to get that win over Boyer to start, again, that's a good win for him. And now he's going to take on Emil Hutt, who was 2-0 at the Knoxville Showdown. I mentioned it in my recap. Hutt looks damn good. Top 100 player for Oklahoma State. He's going to be asked to play three or maybe even four singles for Tennessee this season. I mean, he could make the quarterfinals of this 15K in Champaign. He could knock off Baird tomorrow. That's a really fun match. If you're a UCLA fan, that's a match Baird needs to win. If you're a Tennessee fan and HUD wins that match, boy, you're feeling that much better. Entering 2022 once again, of course, you look at some of the other matchups. Alex Kotzen of Columbia gets a win over Illinois' Lucas Horvay. I'm telling you, Kotzen, a guy to watch for a top 25 ranking here this season. And he's going to get a shot to prove himself in round number two as he's going to take on Cannon Kingsley. Lost, you know, one match last season, whatever it was, uh, or two matches. He's t- uh, he took out Zeke Clark, former Illinois standout today, in straight sets. So Kotzen, Kingsley, that's an electric match. You've got, I believe, uh, uh, Alex Brown taking on AJ Contanzari. Did that match happen already? I might have to look again. This is where I wish I had my scores. I know Boyton took on Connor Farron, was trailing when I last saw. I'm going to have to go look at that matchup. But obviously to see Adrian Boyton back in action, going to be fun. I know Kentucky's Liam Draxel got a win today over Alexander Petrov of Illinois. I know John McNally got a win over Jake Van Enberg. Those are two guys now who are Buckeyes. And the question is, can Ty Tucker convince McNally to come back for one more year I know he said he's turned pro, but you never know until you know. And so, again, that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. I believe Yasha Zemmel, who I talked about in that Kentucky recap as well, is a guy who I think just has a lot of six singles energy. He got a win today in the first round of his match. I know, uh, I believe, you know, Blaze Bicknell gets a win over Samir Banerjee, who has to retire down 4 0. I'll tell you this watch Bicknell win this 15K, and then just remind all of us oh, yeah, they've got him. They've got Shelton. They've got Riffis. They've got Vala. I mean, it's just like, it's an embarrassment of riches. And when Bicknell wins this Futures title this week, it's just like, oh, they've got multiple guys with Futures titles and, you know, the NCAA champion. And who should be playing where? That's a fascinating question. Then, of course, Walton Zink. That's a really fun matchup. Oklahoma State, Tennessee. And then, you know, Martin Dom trying to bounce back after a disappointing summer stretch for him. Certainly didn't get the Kalamazoo result he was looking for. 
Uh, again, all of those names, super, super fascinating. It should make for a really exciting week of tennis in Champaign. And I believe there are 25 ITF events going on this week. So, yeah, plenty of tennis. Again, turned down for what being the theme of this podcast. Now, the last thing I do want to talk about quickly, offer you all ELO rating, clubs updates, where things stand following four Grand Slams this season. Well, let's just go with the top 20, 25, you know, top 10, 15, 20, 25 clubs who are the players who are top all of those categories in both hold and break percentage. You look on the women's side, Again, the constants, top 10 all year long in both hold and break percentage have been Garbine Muguruza and Iga Sviantek. And look, Sviantek was your only player to reach the fourth round at all four Grand Slams this season. And Muguruza was so good at the start of this season. It really felt like that Krejcikova fourth round U.S. Open match she let get away from her. Obviously, we talked about that match plenty in the moment, but... I think that makes sense. Like, I do think Garbine's ceiling this year, and honestly, even the way she's competed in losses despite the injury post-Charleston in that stretch, I just think she's been in the mix. She's been rock solid. Even the matches she's lost have been in three sets. I think those make sense. You get to the top 15 club, it's a little weirder. Serena, I I don't know. I No comment. Well, she's in top. I guess when we've seen her, she's looked good, and we just haven't seen her that often, so that's a sample size one. Uh, Jabour, top 15 club. She has been that consistent all season long, so that makes sense. Then you get into the top 20 club, and I think these names make a ton of sense. Barty, Sabalenka, Collins, and by the way, Sabalenka and Collins, Sabalenka 16th in break percentage, Collins 16th in hold percentage. Those two are essentially right there with Own Jabour, who's 14th and 15th in hold and break percentage, so they probably belong in the Jabour conversation. Then you get, again, as I mentioned, Ashley Barty, who backhand slice. You can understand that she is top 20. is a new career high for her on that return. She's number one, or excuse me, number two in hold percentage. Her and Osaka, the only two over 80%, so makes sense that she's in these clubs. Then you get to Radakanu, which of course is fascinating. Small sample size, 21 and 4 overall this season, but sure, she's made a WTA final, fourth round of Wimbledon. Uh, it makes sense. We all watched the game. Uh, and then Maria Sakari, of course, as well. Two semifinals this year at the Slams and, you know, Miami semifinal as well. She's been excellent. All Abu Dhabi semifinal too. Then your top 25s. Krejcikova, Bedosa, Svitolina, and Goff. And Krejcikova, you know, the return of serve lags a little bit behind for her, but she's gotten better and better throughout the course of the season. That said, don't those names make sense for you? Aren't those your top? You're looking right now, 13 players, Sviantek, Muguruza. I mean, Serena, you uh, you take out. So your top 12, Sviantek, Muguruza, Jabour, Bardi, Sabalenka, Collins, Raducanu, Sakari, Krejcikova, Bedosa, Svitolina and Goff. Now, who are the names missing of the WTA top 25 players? You don't hear Carolina Pliskova's game. Makes sense. She's dominant on serve. The return can be a little bit streaky. And again, she's really come alive in the back half of the year, that first half weighing down her numbers. Osaka, number one in serve percentage. The return percentage lags a little bit behind, but she's right in the mix. You know, Kennan hasn't played. Kvitova has been streaky. Benchich, we know, super streaky as a returner. Halep and Kerber would both be top 30 club members. Neither cracks the top 25, but again, you imagine with a larger sample size of matches from Simona Halep and just the sustained play of Kerber, much like Pliskova, she's been a little bit streakier towards the back half of the season. And then Pavlochenkova is the interesting one missing, who's, you know, again, would be a top 30 club member. But again, 
I would argue those are your top six, uh, your 13. Sviantek, Muguruza, Jabour, Barty, Sabalenka, Collins, Raducanu, Sakari, Krejcikova, Bedosa, Svitolina, Goff. You, you're missing Osaka because of the return numbers. But, like, those are your short list right now of players who are most likely, let's be honest, to win a Grand Slam. I mean, we saw three of the four titles come from those players. And, you know, again, a final from Pliskova, a final from Osaka, who proved that when you are serving well, you can just compete with anyone. Those names make a lot of sense. And, of course, you look at the ELO ratings right now, the big jumpers, obviously, Emma Raducanu up to ninth in overall ELO rating, up to third in 2021 ELO rating, you look. Maria Sakari up to 8th in overall ELO rating. Sakari up to 7th in 2021. Of course, you look at the top three, it stayed, top five really stayed constant. Barty, Osaka, Sabalenka, Krejcikova, Muguruza, Pliskova 6, Sviantek 7, Sakari 8, Radakanu 9, Halep 10. You look at some of the other notable rises and falls. Coco Goff, I suppose, down to 17th, but, you know, makes sense. She's in that top 20 range. You look Paula Bedosa, 21st, makes sense. Uh, you know, Benchich 23, Pagula 24, all of these names sort to make sense. You look at some of the outliers, I suppose, who got a little bit lower. Bianca Andrescu down to number 32 in overall ELO. You see a big rise from Clara Tawson, who's currently 45th in overall ELO. Sloane Stevens back into the top 50. She's currently 48th in overall ELO. Uh, again, we see some movers. You look in terms of the 2021 specific results, some of the outliers. Again, Goff down to 20th. She was hovering around the top 10 for the mo- majority of the season. You look at you know some of the other, the top five right now. Barty, Krejcikova, Radakanu, Sabalenka, Pliskova, Kerber 6th, Sakari 7th. In terms of most recent form, which is what yearly ELO measures, it's a pretty accurate list. Sounds pretty damn good. I mean, again, Sviantek down to 16th in terms of super specific recent form, uh, but then top 10 metric in terms of overall season stats. All of these things sort of make sense. Of course, you look, you've got someone like Clara Tossin up to 38th in that metric. Samson Nova, 30, Sloan Stevens up to 36 again. Uh, I think all of these numbers, are, are they're interesting data points, and I do think a lot of them check out. Of course, you look on the men's side, I think it's even more straightforward. Top 10 club, Medvedev, Djokovic, Nadal. Yep. No questions asked. Top 15 club, Zverev, who ranks, I think it's like 11th right now in hold percentage. So he's just missing on that top 10 club, but fifth in break percentage. And then Casper Root. And then you get to the top 20 club. It's Rublev. It's Kareno Busta. You get to the top 25. It's Tsitsipas, who's obviously there because of the backhand return. Dimitrov and Karatsev. Now, who are the players who just missed? Berrettini, who's 36th in return percentage, but top three in hold percentage. You can understand why he isn't in one of those clubs. Dominic Team is 27th in return percentage. He just missed. Yannick Sinner is 27th in hold percentage. He just missed. Then you get guys like Nori and Korda, who are right on the bubble and who, by recent form, should be, you know, over the last 52 weeks when they've played their best tennis. It has looked that well-rounded. They have been that consistent. You can understand why those two guys are in the mix. But, again, when I name the 11 guys who are top 25 in both hold and break percentage, I think the only two outliers are Dimitrov and Karatsev. All of the other names, Medvedev, Djokovic, Nadal, Zverev, Rude, Rublev, Karenobusta, Tsitsipas, those are your top guys right now. And you look at the rankings, and I talked about this with Gil Gross yesterday, but the rankings just feel correct up top right now. Your top eight, Djokovic, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Rublev, Nadal, Berrettini team. 
That is your top eight because then you get to, well, what does Roger Federer look like in any given tournament? He's ninth, and I think that's fair to say. We don't know what he looks like. Then you get into that Kasparud on clay courts, rock solid. Felix on fast courts, damn good. Shapovalov, high upside, slightly lower uh, floor. Ditto for Hubi Hercot. Sinner at 14th. He's the one who you just feel like he'll slide into that ninth slot pretty quickly. Uh, and then you get to that Schwartzman, Crano Busta, the two veterans, the two guys who are just rock solid, tough outs on any surface. Bautista Agut right now at 18th as well. Before you start getting into the Green, Opelka, Demon Hour range, that top 20 makes a lot of sense. I know there's been a lot of hemming and hawing about the rankings and the projections, justifiably so, and I think it manifests its more as you continue to progress down the list. But at the top right now, a lot of sense. A lot of sense made. And, of course, just quickly, some of the fun ELO rating movers just because, I mean, Carlos Alcaraz right now, 12th in overall ELO. Jensen Brooksby right now, 15th in overall ELO. Those might be a little extreme. Ilya Vashka at 21st in overall ELO. Ilya Vashka, 14th in 2021 specific ELO, his 37-17 and 17 record. That makes a lot of sense. And, again, you get guys now like Opelka up to 2017th in ELO and, you know, I, I do think, you know, he surpassed guys like Chilich, like Dimitrov. I think, you know, Francis Tiafo up to 38th. I think that makes sense. That is where, right around where he should be. Arthur Rindernesh currently at 56. And, you know, Mikhail Emer at 53. Mackie McDonald, 61. A lot of those numbers make sense. And so, again, we're starting to see things even out. Of course, it has been so nice to get full four, uh, four full Grand Slams this year, an appropriate sample size of matches for us to draw some conclusions about. But you got to give, uh, again, it, this is where things stand, I suppose, post-U.S. Open. Very interesting to know. Shout out to our friends, as always, at Tennis Abstract. Things starting to make sense. I do think the numbers reflect very much what we saw this season. And, you know, sometimes that's not the case. So that's where we are at right now post-U.S. Open. Again, turn down for what being the theme of today's podcast as we do have so many fun events uh, over the course of this week. A quick note, I am heading to Miami this weekend for a club tennis reunion. We do this once a year. Uh, we weren't able to do it last season, obviously, uh, last year due to COVID, but we are going to make up for it now. Now we're all vaccinated. We all did our part, rest assured. But look, it's going to be a weekend of tennis. I am diving right into it. Of course, tonight, Kolni Dre, tomorrow, Yom Tov, uh, good Yom Kippur, good you don't want to hear me start doing it um but the point being uh good colney dre i don't know heir of yomtif to all of our jewish listeners out there i suppose the fast does start tomorrow it starts right now technically but you know again yeah happy yom kippur good yom kippur good yomtif to all of you listeners out there if there's not a podcast tomorrow that is why and it's because i'm also flying down to miami to enjoy yom kippur with one of my former teammates families and then heading down to Miami for a weekend of hitting rest assured we will do our best to keep you all up to date on all of the action of course if you've missed anything website crackrackets.com like rate subscribe review to this show the great shot podcast correct interviews podcast our crack rackets youtube channel and of course if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at crack rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod a shout out as always to our super producers max Ligner and daniel westoff for the 
of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, for Super Producers Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Oh, 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 oh,